we made this. Hello everyone, and welcome to Without a Mouse Podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. I'm Chris, and uh, I'm joined as always by Tim. Hi Tim. Hello. How are you? Um, I'm very good, how are you? Yeah, doing alright. I noticed how diverse Tim is podcast has suddenly gone back down, crashing down to earth again. <laughs> back to two white dudes. Yeah, <laughs> as is always the case. It's alright, I class as half a gay. That's diversity. Oh, God, so we're now 25% diverse. How does that work? Is it like half of you? You're 50%, so if that's two twenty-five percent sir, then I'm one big 50. Uh, speaking of uh, fractions, the score from last week, yep. you were very quick off the mark to say that the film got 14 gems, but me and Grace both gave four, uh, seven and a half, so it went, with your seven divided by three, then times by two, yep. is actually 14.33. I rounded down. Yeah, so I'm rounding not at all. And our gem count will officially be 14 and a third gems. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's give it... I mean, let's just try and figure this out. Nope. Let's just give it 47 out of 51. <laughs> I don't know. So what have you been up to this week when you've not been sitting watching Kurt Russell not act? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, this week I had a stomach bug. Hooray! Hooray! You are, yeah. you are well now, right? I don't know. Oh, great. So... <laughs> I've got a charity event this weekend that I'm hosting, so it'd be good, it'd be good if you do make me ill. Thank you. Don't worry, I've washed my hands. <laughs> now, um, Chris, Chris, get your fingers out of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> so I think I've narrowed it down to what caused it. I think it was a tiny bit of uh, food poisoning. Uh, it was either from the chicken I undercooked from lunch on uh, Monday, or it was the vabab I had on the Sunday, which is a vegan kebab. The bab. The bab. Is that what it's called? Yeah. All right. Take away the K out of V. Yeah. The bab. So it was one of those two, I think. I thought you were going to say it was the uh, square pizza you had before we recorded last week. <laughs> oh, no. No, it was those extra onion rings I had on top that did it. <laughs> yeah, so this is officially the most caught up we've ever been on the podcast. Well, we're he- well ahead. When, when we're recording this, it's August 1st, and I believe this goes out on August... 27th? Something like that, yeah. We've got two episodes edited and in the bag ready to go live. Well, I mean, everyone's already listened to them, haven't they? Well, yes, of course they have, yeah. because they'll already have gone live by I, the time I you hear were, this. I feel were really good, weren't they, Tim? Yes, they were. Fantastic. First guest, brilliant. Yep. Been going over our scheduling, haven't we? And we've got some more uh, guests coming up soon, so that's good. Yeah, that's right. Extra people to talk to, since, you know, we're sick of the sight of each other. Um, it really did liven things up a bit, having Grace on, didn't it? It did, yes. Yeah. Just... just you know, gets you out of a rut, doesn't it? Yeah, it does indeed. So, guest every week, is that what we're saying? Uh, if we can find them. <laughs> <laughs> How many friends have you got these days? 
uh, you and Grace, and that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, shit. I, I don't see anyone, Chris. I never leave the house. No. I don't have any friends anymore. Ah, no. <laughs> oh, oh, the pills have been in your thirties. Yeah, my mum and dad have got um, some friends staying tonight uh, for the weekend. And um, it's just like chased them down the garden with some Kurt Russell DVDs. <laughs> well, Do no, you watch these? No, it's more just like tomorrow I'm going to get the whole. Um, oh, so how are you settling into your new life and moving back to Grimsby and how are you getting on? And I'll, you know, the guttural scream that I'll have, the blood curdling wail that I'll want to give as an mm. answer, I'll have to stifle and say, it's fine, yeah. everything's nice. Got a podcast now. Yeah, that's the other thing. We're gonna, Dad's gonna say the word podcast at some point, and then I'm gonna have to explain what the hell this is. Yeah, what to him? Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I've installed Apple Podcasts on his tablet and subscribed him to our podcast, but he still asks me what a podcast is yeah. and how to listen to it. So I don't know if he's bluffing and secretly listens every week <laughs> or. Uh, it's either that or he's never listened. My mum keeps pretending she doesn't know how to listen, even though we're available on Spotify and she uses Spotify all the time. <laughs> I know because I pay for it. <laughs> Parents, eh? I don't know. And then, yeah, we've got this charity event the next day. So my mum's invited everyone she's ever met. So um, they're all going to be the same, asking me how I'm getting on. and mm. I'm not in the mood for it, really. I, I should have got you those uh, flyers printed out uh, for without a mouse to advertise it. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I booked tickets to go to the uh, London Podcast Festival. Very exciting. What are you going to go see? Because that'll be about a week before... It were about a week before that at this point, I think, when this goes out. Yeah, it will. Um, I'm off to see Doughboys, which is an American podcast where they review chain restaurants. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know what chain they'll do in England... Because I imagine that they'll eat... Because what they tend to do with a live show is they eat something that day and then review it. I've got it. What do you reckon? They'll do Greg's. Oh, my God. If they do Greg's, that'd be great. Yeah. They've got um, they've got two showings over the weekend, so um, maybe it'll be Greg's. I, I've already thought of my question for them, though, because um, one of the hosts, Mitch, is a massive Taco Bell fan. And I don't know about you, but I think Taco Bell over here is shite. Have you ever eaten there? I have, yeah, and I'm still a bit worried about what I eat when I'm eating it. Like, yeah, I'm chowing down halfway through and I realise I don't know what this orange stuff is. Yeah, what's going on? It's really like of of all the English takeaway chains, I think Taco Bell is one of the worst. Like, they're just very boring and not very nice. Mm. So, I wanted to know if he'd experienced UK. Taco Bell, because his, as I say, his favourite chain in America is Taco Bell. Yeah. I don't know if it's just that it's shit over here, or I just don't like it. <laughs> is that Taco Tuesday any different to ours? Because I did a Taco Tuesday about two months ago and just gave me this bloody taco and just a bit of mince that I'm not sure was cooked properly. I mean, literally chucked a bit of lettuce and a bit of cheese over it, and that was it. it the tacos there are appalling. Yeah, There's not full. There's hardly anything in them. The meat just doesn't taste of anything there's no flavor mm. and then i always think like you want the meat to be hot enough to have melted the cheese but the cheese is never melted no it's not and uh yeah the tacos at taco bell are bollocks <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I don't know if you like taco bell let us know if i'm just a freak and don't like it because but yeah i'm going to see yeah so doughboys going to see doughboys then i'm also going to see how did this get played the next night oh yeah i and, remember 
Yeah, that's the one with uh, where they play shit games. Yep. But I don't know if they're going to post anywhere what the game is beforehand. I hope I kind of hope they do because then I'd like to try and play the game if I can before yeah, we sure, go. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I don't I'd quite like to go on down there, but I believe it clashes with me watching Rescue in the Cave that weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, where where is that? Where are you, which uh, cave? Uh, the Devil's Ass in Castleton, in the uh, Peak District. Yeah, I'm just going to stick a rescue ring in a cave. Right. Uh, already sold over 400, 450 tickets, I believe, for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so so that's going to be something. And a certain someone might be having making a video that's going to be played in that cave. Really? Yeah. You've been commissioned? Not, well, for, not for money. I've, I've, I've got a free ticket if I, oh, if I right. actually do a video. So I, I'll take it as a commission worth like 20 quid. So Fair enough. About 20 times more what I've ever earned from video editing, that's for sure. So... <laughs> What if like the uh, all the noise that the fans make whilst wrestling is happening in a cave like brings down all the stalactites and everyone gets impaled? Um, what if a wrestler gets on the top of a ladder, rips a stalactite off the ceiling and just batters someone to death with it? Well, it's more like pretend battering, you know. You, you hope for working safe enough to simulate the idea of being battered to death rather than battering someone to death. That would be quite bad. What if a bat flies over and disrupts a really important stage of a move and someone breaks their neck? Well, I wouldn't really break their neck, but I would like a bat to interfere at some point. <laughs> Just like all the fans like running around like, oh, bat, bat, bat. You should get a bat costume and go in costume. Should do, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've already done a Christmas tree costume. Yes. Well, That's really... one of my favourite pictures of you ever. Any chance I get to uh, use that on the Twitter account? So. <laughs> Well, saying that, I think people suspect a bat in a cave. Maybe she should like dress as something completely different, like a giraffe. I should... <laughs> no one would suspect a giraffe in a cave. No, that's true. Yeah. Dress as the devil's ass. Dress as the devil and then just keep everyone you meet, just say, welcome to my ass." <laughs> I hope you enjoy yourself. Just, just point downwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> right. Chris. Should have gotten to the film. Yeah, so this was your pick. That's enough padding for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> so my pick for this time is the 1972 classic. I think it's 72. It was. Yeah, now you see him, now you don't. I think I said now you see me in the last episode. You probably did, Which yeah. I was thinking of the really weird franchise film they tried to make. Yeah, I know which one you mean. The, yeah, the magic heist one. The Ocean's Eleven meets Harry Potter bullshit. <laughs> starring that twat from the social network. Yeah, Kirsty liked the first one, but I really was not feeling it. But uh, No, yeah, I wasn't feeling it. Was it. The second one was called Now You Don't, wasn't it? But they also called, they called it, oh, in the end of it, called it like, Now You See Me Too. Yeah. Like, the second film of a franchise of, then, No You Don't. Yeah, something bollocks like that. Yeah. yeah. No, this is Now You See Him, Now You Don't, starring Kurt Russell. And wouldn't you know it, we're back to the beginning. It's the sequel to The Computer War Tennis Shoes. Not that it wants to remind you it is. <laughs> or does it? Um... <laughs> <laughs> this film can't decide if it's a sequel or not. Or, or, or a remake, or a reboot, or a... Do-over. Or a do-over, a soft reboot. A fever dream. A I, I, think it's all, I think it's all the above in all fairness. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure if the computer or tele shoes wanted a sequels, but I thought, well, instead of waiting until like a year long anniversary, I'd just pop this out there, episode 12, 13, 14, whatever we're on, and have a way with it. Fair enough. 
Fortunately, this is one of the shortest films we've had to review. Yes. It's an hour and 24 minutes. Barely even Dumbo standard this for the length. Yeah, no. Um, really interesting as well in that I thought I was watching the same film over over again. So I didn't have yep. to make as many notes, which is no, always that's good. that's true. Um, just before we go in, the plot of it is that our character from before, um, Dexter Riley, he's doing getting up to some scientific shenanigans again again and so we're gonna assume there's going to be a lot of technical uh effects in this film um, <laughs> and just to put it into context this came out five years before star wars so we can't expect the world okay no but what else came out around this time hmm. basically so no need to jump far ahead but we've got a lot of effects where objects have disappeared but only yeah. half of them Sort of green screen work. Yeah, so lots of green screen work. So I assume Mary Poppins has come out at this point. Bedrooms and Broomsticks has come out at this point. But this clearly hasn't got the same budget as these films. Not really, no. No. (laughs) If we're being honest. (laughs) If we're being pretty brutal. Yeah, so I just wanted to get that out there, that, you know, you have to take it with a a pinch of salt, these effects. I don't think you could use Star Wars as a marker, though. What are you doing? Like, you... You're going to review a film from, like, the 1930s. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this was 46 years before Star Wars. Bear that in mind. Because Star Wars was a... It, it was basically rewrote the rules of special effects cinema. So I do think it's important. And we are... And as I say, we're only five years away. Mm. So I think... Well, if I was a pretentious A-level student, I'd say Star Wars ruined cinema. <laughs> Turned into a flashy fireworks show. Ruined everything. Well, if you want, we can only review films from before Star Wars, if you prefer, for this podcast. I mean, we've basically done that so far, haven't we, until our recent patch of reviewing films people have actually heard of. Yeah, and it's everyone's been absolute wank, so yeah. <laughs> we can stick to that, or we can mix it up a bit. Okie dokie. Right, anyway, yes. So, our film starts with a nice little bit of continuity in that, um, a do-over. <laughs> well, the very first shot, we see Dexter Riley turn up in his June buggy, which he had in the last uh, film. Yeah, yeah, fair so enough. So I, I was instantly quite pleased with that, that, you know, they did remember the film that they made before. <laughs> Actually, when when did the Computer War 10 issues come out? I think it was 1969. So they've had three years, well, two to three years yeah. to come up with this film. Um, I can't believe the Computer War 10 issues did well enough for them to bother coming up with a sequel to be honest it feels a bit you'd be surprised i think it was one of those where it was so low budget it would have had to have done a quite bad job not to make its money and then yeah. some yeah to be fair yeah i think this is sort of like one of the ideas behind this podcast i think this is like disney at its most frugal yes definitely. this is basically their version of making horror films you know, yeah, I guess that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's very B movie, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, do it as cheap as possible. Try and make a few things work in the long term, like Kurt Russell as an entity, um, <laughs> not as an actor, as an entity. <laughs> as an entity, we'll never call him an actor at this stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, try and make sure a couple of things like that work. You know, you never know. You might make a load of money from a load of robots from black hole and all that lot, and yeah. you know. But I think. This is just them trying something, it works, for, so they did it again. Fair enough, I suppose, yeah. So the opening scene is exactly the fucking same as the first film, in that Dexter and his gang are listening in with their walkie-talkie 
to a budgeting meeting for the university, Medway University. I still don't understand why they give a shit. It's, yeah, the whole way through the last film, they were shown as being... They're doing all they can to save this god-awful school. That they don't give a shit about. They don't care about, that Dean doesn't care about. They're not af- academic, any of them. No. They are like, constantly a, a couple, shown to be useless at yeah, their studies. A couple of them are actively stupid. <laughs> yeah, but... But yet they really care about their school. It's, it's a very weird disconnect that... If anything, this film makes it even worse because I still don't understand their motivation behind a lot of what they're doing. As, no. as we come along to it later on, but you know, obviously we'll get to that. Yeah, so during this meeting, I mean, I just put the note, Dexter Riley is a moron, which... <laughs> I don't think it's even that. It's just, um, again, if they have a meeting, they decide, oh... We don't need to fund science anymore. We paid for those 10 Bunsen burners two years ago. It's which okay. Was, which was literally the point where they could have mentioned them buying the massive computer for the school from the last film, which was really weird. Because I was like, why, why in a budgeting meeting are we not factoring in the fact that there were all these computers? Do-over. <laughs> it is literally a do-over. Yeah. Like, I was like, I honestly didn't know if they were going to reference the the first film at all from this point on. Did they, apart from the visual cues, like the, the Doom Buggy? There's one line, well, there's one bit of dialogue between two characters, which we'll get to, that actually references events from the, the first film. Yeah. But only one. So it was literally like, if you walked into this film, you'd have no idea that this was a sequel to anything. Which, I guess, if you want the film to hold up in its own right, I suppose it's not the worst thing in the world. No. Um, but it, this time round, during the bugging... The Dean has hired some creep in a phone booth who has um, been spying on the kids. Yep. And he informs the Dean that um, the kids have bugged the office. And we get a weird scene where the Dean is um, chucking shit about trying to find the bug. Yeah, searching high and low, looking everywhere apart from where they've actually bugged it, which is for flowers. Yes. In the vase in the middle of the room. And our sidekick from the last film, Skylar. Yep. He's back and uh, flunking history, apparently. Yeah, even though I think he successfully answered a history question to win him the money last time, did he? I think that's probably what it was, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, with a bit of subterfuge, he manages to get the um, the bug out of the room without the Dean finding it, so they're up, they're off the hook there. Yep. Um, and from here we go to the Creative Lab class, where all the students are trying to come up with some way of winning something called the Forsyth Award. Yeah, so it's a science competition where the winner wins 50 grand which I believe is the same amount of money that was surprised last time. I'm pretty sure it was. It's probably a university challenge knockoff. And the reason that they're trying to win the award um, is because the Dean has mentioned earlier that they're really short on the mortgage payments for the year, mm. um, which just happens to be that they're $50,000 short on the... Who the fuck is their accountant? Every single year, fifty grand short. I know. And like as well, clockwork. Like, it... Winds me up in movies when, whenever the plot of a film is that we have to win this award to save something, yeah. the prize money is always exactly the amount that they need <laughs> to uh, to save that thing. Yeah, uh, which is just too ironic. Yeah, it, it's never like a couple of grand over or just a couple of grand short. No, it's you... always bang on by the yeah. penny. I did like the uh, visual gag here of a guy who's experiment, pour some cornflakes at a beaker, then some milk, and just. 
eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I laughed at that bit and I wrote it in my notes because I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, and then we pan across and see um, one who is this character that's supposed to be the actual clever member yeah. of the crew. Ruffle um, is his name. Ru- yeah, Ruffle, played by. Ed Begley Jr. Oh, is that who it was? I thought yeah. I recognised him. Yeah. Um, who, I don't know if you remember, but I did mention that he was playing one of the contestants from the rival school in the Computer War Tennis Shoes. He did, yes. Yeah, so yeah. this is our first direct sort of contradiction of the last film. We've got a character played, playing. we've got the same actor playing a different character, essentially. Mm, I don't think there's much of a problem with that. <laughs> As long as, you know, we're not trying to make our values related or anything like that. I don't see that much harm in it. Fair enough. But I, I just spotted it because obviously Ed Beg at the time, because um, I said before, um, the Computer War Tennis Shoes was Ed Begley Jr.'s first ever role. So people wouldn't know him. But obviously he's quite famous now. Yes. As being that guy what's in everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's nerdy. He's got his glasses on and his shirt and tie. Yep. And he's doing something to do with bees. Yeah, a shitload of bees. <laughs> he's trying to prove the aerodynamics of bees or something. Yeah, shit. I think he's trying to prove that bees are so weightless they don't actually need their wings to fly. Oh, I thought it was the opposite. I think because it's true that bees are too heavy and we don't know how they fly. It's the oh, opposite. Oh, and so he was trying to prove that it was like the momentum of the air, and yeah, all that, all some, that proves it. Something, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when we pan across, we see Skylar playing with Tinker Toys as yep. well, which I thought was pretty funny. Of course. Um, and Dexter, his plans this year is that he's going to invent invisibility. Of course. Slightly ambitious for community <laughs> college. <laughs> yeah, but he kind of makes... His theory sounds pretty sound, like he's trying to prevent an object from giving off a reflection and stuff. Yes, so that's right. The pseudoscience behind it sounds pretty right, but... I think it, it, it's an odd one because it feels like Dexter Riley's in the wrong college. Even like in the last film, it, it certainly got the theory and the ambition Yeah, you know, to get him in a much better place than Medway College. But he knows dick all. Yeah. <laughs> it's all... Uh, He's an odd character because he's ambitious but stupid. Yeah, he's a slacker but he's not. It's and is a chance so nothing happens to him by chance. As yeah, well. it's yeah, it's really weird. But yeah, I still think he sticks out like a sore thumb along amongst all the other like absolute losers here. Yeah, sorry, I'm just gonna have to go. I can hear my phone alarm going off. One sec. Left it downstairs on charge. Is this another intermission? Is it? Chris Scott. No, I don't know, scat. Not a clue. Bees. 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 Experiments with bees. That's how I invented time travel. Oh, hi, Tim. Hi. One of these days I'm going to get through a whole recording without having to leave. Would be good, wouldn't it? Gives you less to edit. Well, that gives me something to do. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the Princess Diaries, the last episode, was pretty um, awkward to edit, just because we laughed quite a lot and yeah. quite loudly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and three of us crowding around two microphones as well meant the levels were all over the place. I've, I've done my best. Hopefully it sounds okay. Anyway, where were we? So, yeah, and uh, Dexter's theory is based off a... A, a Russian scientist from the 14th century who was locked away in an asylum for his fear has been so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the Dean's reaction is like, well, what the hell are you all playing at? Yeah. You know, what kind of place is this? 
I can't remember much about the Dean from Computer War Tennis Shoes. It's very I... consistent here. Oh, was it the same guy? Yeah. Because it's the same guy who played the next door neighbour in The Million Dollar Duck as well. Yes, that's right. But I think the Dean plays a way bigger role in this film than the last one, doesn't he? So... Yeah, so in the last film, it's just basically this... Dean, that... Yeah, he needs the starch taken out of his shirt yeah. once in a while, whereas here he plays a pretty central, I'd argue, too big of a role. He's very much uh, the comic foil of the film as well, isn't yeah. he? He's, uh, you know, he, he makes out the kids are all idiots, but he's the biggest idiot of the bunch yeah. kind of thing. But it's, I mean, I guess it's a bit of a cliche because there'll be all sorts of these like college films from this era, and especially heading into the 80s where there's like, all these... Like Animal House style films that come out. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the, the Dean character is a bit of a cliche and you wonder why he's actually in this job because he clearly doesn't like it here. No, he he clearly doesn't All Other jobs it. are available. Yeah. <laughs> so then our next scene, again in the lab at night time, would you believe it? We've got another thunderstorm. Yep. Which is exactly the catalyst of the last film. Yeah, and you know it. We've got a dodgy roof. Yeah, which another we had, one. Which we had in the last film. Obviously, he didn't get fixed. And there's a flash of lightning, and the experiment of Dexter's does some shit. Like... Yeah, where it burns out, but it creates this liquid at the same time. It all goes into a bowl. Yep. Very contrived, but it gets a setup there, I suppose. Then the next morning, a massive Lincoln Continental turns up outside the college. As if you noted down the type of car. Uh, Right. I'm not a car person at all, but the very opening shot was of the massive sign saying Continental across the front of the vehicle. Okay. So, literally, it couldn't have been more obvious, otherwise I would not have known. Right. (laughs) This is literally... I was like, ooh, a Lincoln Continental. I've heard of that. (laughs) So I wrote it down. Uh, Yeah, and out of the Lincoln steps... Dun-dun-dun... AJ Arno, yeah, from the last film, played by Cesar Romero, aka the Joker, indeed, from the nineteen sixties Batman, um, and here is our only reference to there having been a first film, yeah, because Kurt Russell goes up and says to Arno, "I thought you were in jail," which is obviously what happened to him at the end of the last film, That's right? Yep, and Arno kind of just sort of shrugs it off and says, "You know, it was all a mistake, and I'm not really a criminal." So he's obviously bought his way out of prison, essentially. I guess so. It's a bit of a flimsy way to get him back in the mix, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Like, it's it's basically Kurt Russell goes, hey, that's a plot hole. And Arno goes, don't worry about it. Yeah. Don't think about it too much. Yeah. This is the only time we're going to mention the other film anyway. Yeah. Don't worry. It's just a Disney film. He might as well have just said it's just a Disney film. Yeah. <laughs> it's all make-believe. Oh, and also, Arno's bought the school, or the mortgage of it, anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's paid the 50 grand. Yeah, 50 grand exactly. Yeah. And uh, so we go to the lab. The Dean is very happy to be showing Arno around, because he's bought it out. Um, but Arno is um, looking out of the windows, isn't he? Yes. Um, he's more imp- more interested in the building itself than it being a school, isn't he? Yeah, and the surrounding fields as well. So we get a bit suspicious Yes, something's up there. Yeah, yeah. And then Dexter comes in to do some more work on his experiment, drops his glasses in the liquid, and it looks like they're falling into two pieces. So he gets some tongs to go and dig out the other piece, but the ends of the tongs go missing. Yep. And it's because they're invisible, Chris. You see, I'd come to the conclusion of, oh shit, that's quite a lot of acid. <laughs> Better go yeah. tell an adult. Yeah. <laughs> it will burn everything in sight. But now we're just... 
touch a few more things with it. Be all right. Dip fingers in. They do some very simple sort of um, special effect work. So, but it's all practical effects, isn't it? I mean, I noticed and when, mime work. when he yeah when he bangs for glasses like the invisible side of glasses, he clearly goes too deep. Yeah, it's yeah. some pretty because it's a very close up shot of him doing it. It's yeah, he's tapping it with a with a pencil. Yeah, um, but it's very obvious, badly mimed. Yeah, <laughs> um, but then they do another bit where he pushes the invisible tongs, which looked quite effective. So mm. yeah, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I said it's simple but effective until Kurt Russell mimes was, was the note I put. Um, so he's excited because without knowing how or in fact having anything to do with it, he's invented invisibility. Yeah, you see, can he actually claim that he invented it though? No. He accidentally stumbled across invisibility. He, he would never know how to replicate it. No. Also, he's walked into this lab, which had a thunderstorm that smashed the ceiling, and no one seems to be bothered that there's been a thunderstorm. Like, nobody references the fact that there's shit everywhere. Yeah, Bobby pulls the water on the floor and everything. And he'll have been crunching through glass on his way around. Yeah. But yeah, he's oblivious to that. So his friends Skylar and... So is this the same bit on the side that he had last time that he hardly referenced? No, it isn't. Um, In the last film, he's... um, his girlfriend, not girlfriend. Yeah, no was... homo. <laughs> she was called Annie. This is a new actress and a new character called Debbie Dawson. Okay. I thought you were going to say called Flanny. <laughs> Pan- I, know, I, know, I know in America, Kurt Wave would have called Fanny. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't. It was She was called Debbie Dawson. Um, and again, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or not. I don't think so this time. I think this is just mandatory girl character because yeah. it's a bit of a sausage festival wise, isn't it? It is, yeah. Yeah. Dexter is showing off to Skylar and Debbie that um, he's done this uh, invisibility. Yeah, because he's dipped his fingers in and he's like, oh, look at these. Yeah. Um, obviously, the thing is just sawing his fingers off. Um, and then he tries to get Skylar to do it, but Skylar's really scared. Um, oh, but, no shit. <laughs> but a non running theme of this film, uh, Dexter peer pressures him into it anyway. Yeah, he's, he's a bad friend, isn't he? Yeah, poor old Skylar gets a really shit deal in this film. Cause, he does, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he only appears in scenes for him to get abused by Dexter, essentially. Dexter's the type of person that the 20-year anniversary, like, reunion, like, Skylar will, re- will reveal his, like, his battle alcoholism, but he's got a better life now. I mean, Dexter will pressure him to have him a beer. He's that yeah. sort of person. <laughs> He's the kind of person that will walk in and every person that he talks to will have some kind of story of trauma that was caused by Dexter that they've had to spend the last 20 years working through whilst Dexter's completely oblivious and has had a brilliant life. Or even worse, like nobody makes a connection, it's all Dexter's fault. We just think he's this like very nice, mild mannered, good looking boy in the corner. Um, But we realise, hang on a minute, it's him. He's a a manipulative bastard in all. Fairness, yeah. There's a really funny um, episode of 30 Rock, a bit like that, where Liz Lemon goes to her school reunion yeah. and is really not looking forward to seeing everyone because she's, she's scared of seeing all of her high school bullies. And then when she walks in, it turns out her vi- version of events was skewed. And oh, yeah. so it turns out everyone hated her because they were scared of her <laughs> and that they thought that she was the bully. So, it yeah, Dexter's Dexter's a Liz Lemon in this situation. Indeed. <laughs> um Skyler makes a very valid point, which is how do I make myself visible again? And uh, Dexter hasn't a fucking clue. Yeah, well, I'll say uh, dip now. Uh, think later. Think later, yeah. 
my motto for everything in life. <laughs> <laughs> they try and rub it off with a cloth, and that's happening. So, oh dear. Um, then Arno and oh yeah, here's the bit where um, I think this is the scene actually where they come in, Arno and the dean. Yep. So this is when they're looking out the window, looking at the view, looking at the parking lot. Arno's clearly summing up the property for something being something other than a school. Yes. But the dean's oblivious, and he says to Dexter to wash his hand, and Dexter's like, "Oh yeah, water. I should do it." <laughs> the first thing you learn in uh, science classes is to you know wash yeah. wash chemicals off your skin. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they... Um... And they, it all reappears, so hooray! Yeah, everything's fine. So they have all these powers of invisibility at their hands, and they could literally do anything they want. So what do they do? They decide to have a bit of a sneak around, see what Arno's up to. Yeah. A bit boring, isn't it? At least it doesn't go into the usual trope that at least their first port of call isn't the girls' changing rooms, <laughs> like it would be in Animal House or yes, something like that. Yes, say, if the adult version of this, straight to the girls' changing rooms, but, um, where, where a pillow fight somehow breaks out. <laughs> They're skulking around outside Arno's base. Skylar is walking through puddles, and then his uh, footprints become visible. Yep. His shoes become visible because they get all the spray washes off. And again, poor old Skylar was, is doing this against his will. Yeah. Um, he didn't get a say in it. Oh, and the guard, there's a guard inside that spots his shoes, goes to pick them up and actually says, ah, a pair of... Uh, Arno's left his tennis, tennis shoes. shoes. Yeah, there we go. Because <laughs> the computer's not wearing them anymore. No. <laughs> They're just in the hallway. And then Skylar kicks him and steals his key to get in, and apparently the guard does nothing about this. Um, he just leaves. Never appears again. No. <laughs> <laughs> so after completely blowing their cover, they get away with it, um, and they find a file, and there's a mo- with lots of information. There's a model of the school, which has been turned into basically a casino yeah. resort, hasn't it? With a greyhound racing around the perimeter. Of it. Yeah, and it's going to be called Arno Town. <sighs> Not very massive, isn't it? Not at all. S- sort of no. Arno. When you're a known criminal that's been to prison as well, you'd think you'd want to steer clear of bringing attention to who owns it. Like, you'd call it something different. Yeah. But, what, yeah. What, what would you call it? Well, Med, oh. the college was called Medway. It's set in the town of Medway. Yeah, it's Medway College, yeah. And Midway is a term that is used in America for, like, a, amusements down the seafront. So there is a... You could do something with that. Med, oh, okay. Medway, Midway. I don't know what, but you could. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a ride at Disney called um, Toy Story Midway Mania. Where it's like um, you're doing all sorts of carnival rides on it. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah. But I'm not clever enough to figure out what I'd call it. <laughs> they also find a document saying that the 1912 Midway Rule with relation to gambling is still in effect. Therefore, what the paper basically says is that it's actually legal to gamble yeah. on this ground, whereas it's not elsewhere in the state. Yeah, he wouldn't need a licensed to be acquired or anything. He could just open a yeah. casino like that kind of thing. I know he's a crook, but wouldn't it be cheaper for him to just get a license for an existing building? Anyway. Well, you know, 
this is Arno, isn't it? He's a, he's not the best villain not I've really. ever seen. No, he gave away he, his prize computer, yeah. his gambling computer that helped him make millions of pounds, yeah, his, his, uh, millions of dollars. Sorry. It's a bit of a joker, isn't it? Oh, oh nice one. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get the, the world's shortest car chase, or not? So yeah, so uh, Arno walks in as Skylar and Dexter are, like taking pictures. Oh, that's it. Yeah. And, the, and the camera's floating in the air, so yeah. you can see what's going on. We just go, eh, just continue to take pictures. Yeah, they just keep going on. And then they run away um, and get away um, in the car. Yeah, with with Debbie Downer driving it. Yeah. Well, no, she's not driving it. She's in the passenger seat. Oh, yeah, that's So right. uh, passers-by, it looks really weird because uh, the car has no driver, essentially. So they're in a competition to win 50 grand for best invention. Yeah. Why did they just... Instead of going through all this bullshit, why don't we just like have a driverless car? <laughs> yeah, that would have made more sense. Yeah, yeah, that would have, yeah, futuristic that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you end up inventing some invisibility, that's that's what you can do. You can perfect that car. Although I've seen your driving, like, I'd, I'd, if you were driving another car, I don't know if they'd uh, believe it. Probably not. No. <laughs> If that's how bloody obvious, it's turned to ultra-aggressive mode. <laughs> so, uh, what happens next? They, they report what they've found to the Dean. Uh, but they don't say how they acquired this information, do they? No, they don't, which is probably for the best. But So, um, so we snuck into the office of the guy who owns the building <laughs> to illegally find information. They get expelled right away if he actually explained what they did. If the Dean was competent enough, he would have asked, but he's not a competent dude. Well, not really, no. <laughs> um, but um, Dexter's professor, obviously, at this this point then points out, well, if we win the Forsyth Award, we won't have to rely on Arno. Um, so that's how we're going to save the school. But hasn't he already bought the property? He's agreed to pay the mortgage, but I don't think he's... He's not actually bought it outright. Yeah. Okay. The thing is... This film doesn't technically need a villain because the school being in debt could have been the issue was already an issue that then they could have solved by winning the Forsyth Award. Yeah. But then they 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 shoehorn in the the need for a villain by then selling the school to Arno. It, it would make for an interesting film, though, would it? Oh, I've, in, I've invented this invisibility spray. Great, you win. Hooray! Well, fair enough. Yeah. Like the film literally lasts three minutes and ten. But then later on, Arno doesn't become that much of an antagonist, really. He's just there. Well, he's doing stuff on the side that doesn't really affect the kids that much, but they feel like it's their business. Yeah. A, a do-good a community spirit and all this lot. And what what does he get up to? Keep listening and you'll find out. But don't watch this film because it's not good. No. Plus, <laughs> just kidding. Plus, we're not even mentioned that yet. We both had to pay to watch this film. Yeah. Like idiots. You were the one that picked it, so you should have checked beforehand. But yeah, it was not on Disney Life, so I had to rent it off Amazon. Well, it's your fault for not for picking the first film in the first place. That made me think, oh, I'll do the sequel for a laugh. Well, thank you very much. But yeah. yeah How much did it cost you? I stupidly shelled out for the HD when I really didn't need to. Why? I know. So I spent about three fifty, I think. Mm. £2.49 on YouTube. I tried to... I'm trying to figure out how to pay for videos on YouTube on your telly, because it'll show you the trailer, but I couldn't get it to... Okay, no, I, I did it all through my computer, in all fairness. Right, okay. 
But yeah, because it connects to your um, Google Play account. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I've got a Google Play account for that email. Anyway, hmm. boring stuff. Yeah, it's probably the same email for you without a mouse Twitter handle. Yeah, speaking of which, now we've got a new Twitter. We have got a new email address, which I forgot to mention. Okay. Which is. Yeah, we do email. Yeah. So if you've got any uh, questions or comments or feedback, or spam, or whatever, yeah. Or, or newsletters. Anything, any medication that will enlarge my penis. Yeah. You don't get those anymore, do you? I don't know. You hardly get any letters from Nigerian printers either. No, I've never had one, I don't think. No. Ever. I just get emails from people saying, Your website looks good. Do you want me to improve it? Like, no. But yeah, it's um, withoutamouse at gmail.com. Oh, fancy. Nice and straightforward. Got a nice clean one, yeah. We need, I was going to say as well, you mentioned on the, uh, we made this chat the other day about um, Cinemortuary being on YouTube. Yes. So I reckon we should set one up for Without a Mouse because it's got its own Gmail account now. Uh, As long as it does it automatically like it does Cinemortuary. Oh yeah, I don't intend on spending any time Uh, on it. I'm not actually sure if I've stolen We Made made This um, Only YouTube Link by connecting it to Cinematch's Gmail account. Oh right, well uh, we'll find out. Oops, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll have a look. I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll show you how to get in and yeah. I'll... So yeah, if you log in, have a password is. <laughs> I was just going to say I'll come up with a different password that isn't the same as the password to everything else I've got. Yeah, <laughs> right. So back to the film. So they ask for Dean to trust them in this contest, but we're not going to tell him what it is. Yeah, for don't know contrived reasons. I don't think. know why. I think the idea is that they don't want anyone to then be able to, unless they think he's such a gobshite, he's going to open his mouth and it's going to get him into trouble. Yeah, I don't understand. Money. But yeah, they they just say trust us. We've got the thing, and obviously they don't believe that Dexter's going to be good enough. Like, no, because he's not good enough. He wasn't good enough in the last film. He's no. not good enough in this film. Are you talk about Dexter or Kurt Russell now. Both. De- uh, Kurt Russell can't act it, at this point. Um, I feel like it was there was an nah, improvement. Even if there was, it, it feels like he's just too clean cut and it doesn't suit him and he does get better along his career, obviously, when he gets a bit more grizzled. Yeah. But yeah, at this point he is just... He's not even like the young Zac Efron because he had some chops about him to, to begin with. Yeah, he's just hot and dumb. Is what we said before. But yeah. Just like me. <laughs> so, Mr. Forsyth, the guy who runs the Forsyth Prize, he's actually staying at the Medfield Inn. Yep. Um, and uh, there's rumours that he doesn't want any old shithouse college to be in this competition, which includes Medway, believe it or not. Yeah, they weren't invited. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, shit. Is it Medway or Medfield? I keep saying Medway. I can't remember. I think it's Medfield. So if it's the wrong one, overdub it while you're editing. You're a few weeks ahead now. You might as well uh, while you're at it. I, I will double check this quickly. Uh, you go on with an expert. If it is Medfield, then um, the whole bit I've just said about Medway and Midway doesn't fucking work, does it? Nope. <laughs> what an idiot. Right, so the Dean rings uh, Mr Forsyth, um, who's playing golf in his room into a little cup as you've seen in every other film with a guy sat, stood in an office and he is basically saying that you're welcome to join us on the golfing course ne- tomorrow because he'll be with the Dean from State College who were the rivals in the last film. It's Medwick Field, isn't it? Of course it is. Yeah. 
<laughs> Never mind, keep it in, it's funny. Yeah. So yeah, they're going to be the rival Dean from last film is going to be here. Who? Oh, and as well, Mister Forsyth. Just so you know, played by the same guy who played the mayor of Passamaquoddy from Pete's Dragon, my one of my favourite films. Okay, I've not seen Pete's Dragon in a few years now, so I didn't make a connection. Yeah, well, it's same guy, and the dean of Medfield does not play golf and does not know how to play golf but he agrees to go along anyway yeah so dexter's plan is that he's going to turn himself invisible so that he can assist the dean from the court the course without the dean knowing so does dexter suddenly have bungee physics as well to be able to replicate the smooth motion of a ball and also the ability to run as fast as a golf ball flies through the air yeah to meet it on the green they go quite fast yeah so Apparently he's now Superman. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, we go to the golf, and whilst everyone is dressed in their 1970s finest, the Dean has turned up as like a Victorian caricature of a golfer, mm. with his big uh, tartan beret on, and of course, and like puffy trousers and stuff, and he looks like an idiot. And <laughs> Mr. Arno is also on the field playing, on the green, sorry, playing, Um on. You know your golf terms, don't you, Tim? I was going to say, here's, here's Sportsman coming out of me now. All yeah. of, all, I know the sports all, words. All the sports. Yep. Yeah, he I'm, did a good sport there. Yeah, good sport. Here's to sportsmanship. I'm a good sport. You're yes. a good sport. We're uh, all good sports. Yeah, we're all good sports. Sport. <laughs> so Dexter's invisible, and he manages to hit... <laughs> Before he turns invisible, he's just got this massive stick, just like a big bit of tree and he's yeah. like I'll use this to hit the ball and then like he turns invisible and you just keep seeing him whack the ball and it's just like a bit bit, bit childish so, really so you've got a stick with a ball at the end of it is it like those joke invisible dog leads you get I don't think there was a ball on the, on the end I think he was just a stick that he was going to hit the Dean's ball with so he's better at golf than most people with a Old stick. Yeah, he's superhuman, basically. Okay. Um, first hole, he manages to hit the ball straight onto the green, and he also manages to sabotage the other dean's game as well. Yeah. And I'm one thing I've got to say: the effects in this golf section, I don't know how they did half of them. I think I do. Right. Okay. Because they do a lot of the ball staying still and then going to the green and go, you know actually going in holes in one all over the place and i was genuinely quite impressed so if you notice the golf ball has a red stripe down it which yes to I me seems that. quite irregular for a golf ball yeah now i noticed in some shots and i could be completely wrong here but i think they placed it out with a baseball in order to better simulate the shots but they just shot it a bit further away okay i think that's how they did it right I would. I assumed. I didn't. I didn't notice the red stripe. I wondered if it was just so that we, as an audience, always know that that's the ball that belongs to the dean. But it could be a practical reason as well. Yeah, I think. I think that is half a reason. In all fairness. But to be honest, I quite liked the effects, and I was. It was. I mean, it doesn't make sense that Dexter himself was able to do any of it, but. <laughs> yeah, it was fine, but this whole sequence. I thought, okay, at first, yeah, very good, good, good going, you know, well done. Then it goes on for about, must have been 10, 15 minutes. It is a very long sequence, but obviously this is the main bit of the film where they're showing off the effects, basically, isn't it? 
Because when you've got a film about... Right, here's my here's my defence, let's say, of the golf scene. Of sport. Yeah. Of right? all the sport. Of all sport. In the previous film, the computer wore tennis shoes, the main effect was that Dexter was very clever. Yeah. Not very so, effect, though, is it? It's just a... <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say, is the actual superhuman ability that Dexter has is not visually interesting at all. No. It's very just he is smart and can say things which makes for a way more boring plot than this one. Mm. And I really liked that this plot required more visual things to happen. So although this scene does take a long time, yeah. they pack in a lot of different effects because they also have like Dexter's footprints in the bunker yeah. and him uh, using a rake to uh, rake behind him. Yeah. So, so I liked it. It took them three years to make this because of all these effects. Absolutely. That's yeah. it, yeah. They filmed them back to back like Lord of the Rings. Painstaking. But, um... <laughs> and the other thing is, which I've not re- we've not mentioned yet, but I really liked the Dean as a character. I think he was actually quite funny. He's purposely over the top and supposed to be a bumbling idiot. And it's funny in this bit because he believes his own hype. He thinks he gets very confident that he's the one that's doing all of these amazing shots. And I quite liked it. Um, yeah, I f- think there was maybe too much of him in the end of the film, but it did work in a sequence. No, if the sort of character that he is, you know, someone who, given half a chance, to be like really cocky and overconfident, but is otherwise just a massive loser. Yeah, but um, as we said earlier, Arno is watching. He's on the green at the same time, and he's watching and getting very suspicious. So he perves on Dexter in the shower. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a normal that's, thing to do. That's literally what happens. He goes into the men's. Uh, bathrooms and Dexter basically goes into the shower fully clothed to wash off all of the invisibility stuff yeah. and kind of looks like he comes out of the shower dry like his hair's a bit wet yeah apart from that but all his clothes are fine yeah yeah and... perving in a shower you know I think I think that's a bit worse than gambling yeah and then Arno's driver arrives and it's the same guy from the last film yep who was in charge of uh killing Dexter and did a bad job. Yeah. Gave him KFC instead. Have I remembered the right film, or is this a different one? Is this a is this a film where they had to split off, so they had to pretend that they didn't know each other or didn't like each other anymore, and then they start working each with each other again immediately? Or is that a different Disney film we've covered? I think that might be a different one. I don't remember. I, that. I'll have to have a look at that one. There was definitely a film where that happens. No. Oh, it, that was the cronies in Gus. Oh god, it was yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. They both came out of prison, pretended that they would never see each other again, and both got in the That's same right. car. Yeah, no, it wasn't these two. Fucking Gus. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. Fucking you're kicking a football. <laughs> you made a film of that, honestly. See, the effects in this film are way better than the effects in Gus. Let's. I don't know. Getting a horse to kick a ball is pretty impressive. <laughs> and it was practical. It was, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh... Dean Higgins gets so he believes his hype so much that the next day he enters a prize golf tournament thinking he can then save the score. Yeah. But um is this like a winner takes all one with a 50,000 pound cash pot, uh, jackpot prize. Yeah. Again 50 grand exactly yeah. the amount we need. Of, of course. Um so when Dexter goes to his frat house, Druffles there and tells Dexter this. So Dexter tries to get to the airport in time 
um, and he's literally driving down the runway, which you obviously wouldn't be able to do anymore. No. But, or then, I guess. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he misses the plane. Yeah, so he, he has to sit at home on this nationally televised event, apparently, yeah. between a bunch of deans. Of course the dean loses in very spectacular fashion. So I do know this. So his golf score in the end is plus 98. <laughs> the, the idea is to get the highest minus score you can yes. possible. Not the other way around. I was aware of that. I did okay. I did know a sport. You knew, you, knew, you knew enough about sport then? Just enough, yeah. How many sports do you know? I can name at least three. Name them. Golf. Yep. Mini golf. Yep, I'll give you one. Pitch and putt. Mm. <laughs> I'm entirely sure. Wait, what? What uh, sports have we had in these films? Baseball. <laughs> yep. Well, baseball. We've had American football. Now we've had golf. I'm not a basketball yet, but I'm pretty sure there's at least three Disney franchises with a dog playing basketball. All to look forward to. Oh yeah, fantastic. Does Beverly Hills Chihuahua count as a live action film? Do you think? Yeah, of course it does. <sighs> Great. And ice hockey. <laughs> We've got many of those to look forward to. Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Bobsled, that's a sort of a sport. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's an Olympic sport, that counts. Yeah. Um, that's a bloody hell, never mind Disney, sports cast. Yeah. Going back to the frat house in this, um, for some reason there's most of the parts of a Volkswagen Beetle in the living room, mm. a rusty one. Um, Disney's obs- obsessed with Volkswagen Beetles. There was a VW in Cool Runnings. There's, yeah. there's um, so, two Beatles in this, because there's one dismantled, and then later on Skylar owns a different one. So why is there a dismantled Beetle in there? Did they do an autopsy on Herbie as an experiment? That's what I think. Like The Herbie props just get repurposed in every other film that we've watched. Because, yeah. yeah, we've got Herbie to look forward to at some point. We do, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know why, but yeah, always a Volkswagen Beetle. So yeah, after the Dean completely sucks at golf and, you know, embarrasses himself, AJ Yano makes it quite clear that he's onto Dexter's scheme. Yeah. He thinks he knows what's going on, but he wants his crony to confirm as such first. Yeah. And meanwhile, coming back, the Dean's now relying on Juffle to come through with his B experiment. Yep. But Juffle appears completely heads to in bandages. Completely mummified. Yep, because he's allergic to bees. Oh dear. And so someone points out that it's, you know, there's still Dexter. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing is that they keep saying that he's that Druffle was bitten by a bee and bees don't bite. They no, sting. they don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unless we don't know the bee's secret weapon. At this point, when they were getting pissed off that Dexter is their only hope, I was like, "Why? What is everyone's problem with Dexter?" Because I'm everyone's so anti-Dexter, but at the same time, he kind of is a nice person and is likable. But again, they're always telling us he's not. It's such a shitly developed character. It's a weird one. I think he's doing stuff uh, off that we don't see in these films. You know, I think the Dean is um, single because Dexter's. Like seduced his wife in a well, no before yeah the first film. This is like the dark and gritty reboot. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it should do. Okay, I'm going to go on final draft and do a gritty reboot for computer war tennis shoes. The computer war new rocks. Yeah, 
They'll do a goth version, a bit like The Crow, but with uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell. And we'll still have Kurt Russell playing Dexter. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> the, the computer wore Dr. Martin's boots. Uh, oh, we do a lot of very depressing one, the computer wore wellies. <laughs> I think that one can be set at like Leeds Festival. I'd watch that. Right. Back to Dexter and his... So they're prepping for the competition and he makes Skylar a wee bit invisible again. But this time, uh, AJ's, or Ardo's henchmen are perving on him. Yeah. Dressed as a janitor. And Skylar says that he doesn't want to be invisible this time because he's got a date. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Whatever. Who with your left hand? <laughs> I mean, if it was Dexter, I could believe it, but Skylar's a fucking munter. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> that, that's, that's the funniest I'm going to be all day. So His crony reports back, and like, Arno's like, well, okay, yeah. Just confirms my suspicions, really. Yeah. The next day, then, we've got a bunch of important people in suits yep. and scientists and such turn up to see Gre- Dexter's great experiment. You know, well, what's he been up to? But unfortunately, there was a very quick scene before this where Arno's chauffeur steals the spray from out of Dexter's cabinet at school. You know what? I didn't even notice that. Oh, I must well, be making a note at the time. I didn't even see them make the switch. It's a very short scene, but yeah, he goes into the cupboard. He takes Dexter's spray and puts another spray in the cupboard. Did he need? Did they need to show that? Probably not. No. So back to yeah. So they the idea is uh, Skylar's going to do this great big demonstration. You know, floating objects around while he's invisible. Like, ooh, look at this! You can't see out. But when they spray him. Doesn't have any effects whatsoever. No. Skylar doesn't realise though. So for the next what feels like seventy one minutes, <laughs> Skylar does this whole demonstration. Well anyone at any time you're stepping in going, it didn't work. Everyone stands there in stony silence watching. Yeah. I, I found this pretty funny to be fair. <laughs> I thought it was great. It was cringe humour. Yeah, because Skylar's really like Giving it the proper, like... It's proper hammering it up. It's very sincere. It's very, um, I am being scientific. Yeah. Uh, which is the most grown-up you see him, but he's completely visible the whole time, which yeah. is funny. But yeah, they're not impressed, so... Uh, they'll walk off, and Dexter and gang realise that they've switched the formula. Yeah. It's just basically red water. And they they suspect it was Arno's involvement, so they get the gang together and they deliver flowers to Arno. Yep. Uh, which are obviously bugged. Yep. With the intention that they're gonna. Well, I don't really know what the intention is, but they're just gonna spy on him. Um, th- their intention is that I think. Hang on a minute. He's a villain in a Disney film. Therefore, yeah. he's gonna blurt out his plan. Yeah. At some point, and we're gonna make sure we can listen in. But the thing is, at this point, they technically already know his plan because they know he's gonna build a casino. So I don't know. Yeah, but we don't know in what ways you're going to be able to monitor, get the money to uh, yeah. build it. So they listen in and by chance they find out there's going to be a good old punk robbery. Hooray! First one of the uh, the whole show. Ye- no, second. Was it? I know. No, this is our first bank robbery. Oh, no, sorry. I, I was trying to think, what did we steal with one of our dinosaurs is missing? We stole a dinosaur, didn't we? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, the plan is that 
Arno's going to rob a bank using the invisibility formula that he stole from Dexter. And then from here we go to a history class where they're learning about Phoenician art. So we get to thank the Phoenicians. That's a Disney joke that you won't understand. Nope. <laughs> In... Um, I'm not even going to bother explaining it. It's really boring. Okay, moving on. We just just know that you have to thank the Phoenicians. Thank you, Venetians. Love you. <laughs> um, and then basically everybody just leaves the class. Yeah. Like, they just walk out. No wonder everyone's at this utter dog shit Medfield College if everyone thinks, oh, another class now. Only yeah. 15 minutes in, don't fucking care. I'm going to walk off. Teacher's not going to say out, is he? I just wanted to say at this point, Dexter had a, a beautiful shirt on, a very nice floral print, very very uh, fetching. Was this one from Sweatershop? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yeah, currently this week I've been uh, tweeting Chris a picture of a Sweatershop jumper every day since we keep, for some reason, talking about the Sweatershop on this podcast. I still don't believe it's is an actual thing. I think it's just a collective hallucination you... Grace and a few of us have had. <laughs> it was and real. No, it wasn't. You just find an image on Google, you know, probably come for some weird shit form like 4chan and you just put them all together and you thought, yeah, this is a real memory. I'm going to do a Twitter poll tonight and see how many of our uh, followers remember the sweater shop. Okay. <laughs> Please remember the sweater shop. <laughs> Even though it never existed. It existed. No, it didn't. It was a massive thing. It clearly wasn't. Shut up. It was Benetton. <laughs> no. United Colours of. Right. Back to it. So, yeah, they go to the bank and they send Skylar to the cops to basically inform everyone what's going to happen. Um, and the bank don't believe Dexter. Oh, no shit. Because <laughs> he tells them they're going to be... You can't... There's going to be a bank robbery, but you can't do anything because they're invisible. Mm. Um, so Dexter has the plan of using the fire hydrant outside to uh, spray them down so yep. they can't be... All the spray invisibility comes off. Um, and we see Arno's car pull up and park itself because everyone's invisible. And they accidentally... Oh, no. First of all, yeah. Arno gets in with his chauffeur. Yep. Uh, bonks the two guards over the head and they spray all the money invisible as well so it's easier to pretty, get pretty out. flawless plan obviously I mean it comes up later on anyway but it was a bit of a flaw that didn't make the car invisible as well yeah and, that's and true I, I never yeah they could have done yeah. yeah and they get away because the kids by the time they get the hydrant ready they just end up spraying the bank staff instead yeah what 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 and what would you believe it it's time for a car chase here we go that's what I'm here for Second car chase of this franchise. Yes. <laughs> so so far, a hundred percent car chase, uh, car chase record for this. Uh, and we get gunfire, real gunfire. So this took me back a bit. So the, the stakes in this series suddenly escalated quite a bit. Yeah. From mild peril to actual possible death. Yeah, they end up literally in a standoff where they're hiding behind Skylar's beetle. And Skylar at this point says, maybe we should just go because obviously there's gunfire involved. And I was like, damn right, Skylar, get yeah. out of there. Like, at this point, it's not worth it. Just go home. It's not your money. No. It's nothing to do with you. It's actually nothing to do with you. So bugger off. <laughs> it is not worth losing your life over not at this very, point. Not very, no. Um, and at this point, the police turn up and the, the police witness the fact that Arno and Peeps are invisible. And so finally the police do believe the kids. No, so this was the bit in the film where I thought, uh, come on. So the reason why the police know is because Arno, for some reason, or his butler, 
in the infinite wisdom, even though they're clearly invisible and the cops think that the kids are full of shit that there's actually invisible people in the car, they decide to shoot at the cops anyway, take his hat off. Yeah, so I suppose if they'd not... Done they, anything. Yeah, they could have just stopped for a minute and made the kids look crazy kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, but they decide to shoot at them anyway. But that's not an exciting film, is it? It's not, no. No, because then we end up with another bit of car chase going on. So we've got three sides. We've got Arno, we've got the kids, and we've got the cops. Yep. And then we've got a kiosk, a bandstand, and a lamppost. Yeah, all getting smashed up. Yeah. Brilliant. You can tell he's got a bigger budget this film. <laughs> they literally spent £20 to uh, get those props built up. Yeah. There were real newspapers in there and everything. And as you said earlier, they then Arno has the idea of spraying the car invisible as well. You would have done that in the first place. But then it gets a bit confusing as an audience, because then... What, our villains are invisible, so yep. it's hard to tell what's going on. Um, but obviously, we see lots of again more effects of the car driving into things, but not being there. Yeah, which was a pretty impressive. In all fairness, I mean, I guess it was a bunch of uh, ropes and bunges to achieve, like like literally yanking things away. Yeah, quite impressive. It's just with this chase. I mean, and they do do it in a minute, but it's like they literally could have given the slip at any minute. Yeah. any moment, but they decide to go along with it. Yeah. It's but, very weird. They could have literally packed up anywhere and they wouldn't have known. Well, they try that, don't they? They try and hide um, behind a vehicle and then, unfortunately, the police just smash into the back of them. Did you did you miss that bit? No, I think they just... Because it was a red light anyway, they just thought they'd go for it and then the police just drove into them anyway. It was a pure, yeah. pure coincidence. But yeah, we get shitloads of hijinks and it's actually quite well done, I thought. It was fine. Um, I'd say it was up there with Condor Man for a decent car ca- chase. Yes, I agree with you. It was a lot better than the one in Computer War Teddy Shoes as well. Because that one, it was, they just literally like were throwing paint at them, weren't they? Yeah. It, was, here it felt like, I mean, you know how it's going to win because it's a Disney film. But, you know, at least here you thought, oh, bloody hell, how are we going to actually solve this? How, how are we going to capture them? Yeah. There were quite a few stakes here, in all fairness. Yeah. And we get some roadblocks. Arno sneaks past them and things. The police believe that um, Arno's plan is to skip town, but Dexter's more believing that he's going to... Knowing Arno, he'll try and give himself an alibi and say it wasn't him, so he's going to stick around, is what Mm. Dexter believes. Which is good logic. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I thought was, if if Arno really wanted a foolproof alibi... Why was he getting involved when he's got an army of goons that could have done the whole job for him? Maybe he likes to fill up Robin Banks. <laughs> he could have literally stayed at home and uh, people dive off cliffs. You know, he could get the same feel just watching someone dive off cliffs. But no, he'd rather do it himself. Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. More roadblocks, but the kids managed to block the road themselves and funnel Arno's car into a pool. Of course. Someone's swimming pool. Yeah. And obviously then everything becomes visible because of the water and the kids manage to grab the formula and the cops grab Arno. Yep. So we actually get to the Forsyth Award. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about this. So we suddenly go, oh, we've still got five minutes before the award for Forsyth Award to someone. It's just like, fucking hell, I forgot that was even an element. Yeah. I didn't know they could actually just turn up on the day and submit something, but you can. And it turns out State are looking like they're going to win. So the dean from State University is bragging. uh, And the kids finally rock up. The dean gets sprayed. 
Uh, but the spray doesn't work because it's been diluted with pool water and everyone's worried. But then a few minutes later, the Dean suddenly disappears. Yeah, so it's like chlorine. So it's had that effect of whatever it is it does to prevent you know, bleed, algae building up. Yeah, so it just so took a little longer. Than... It did, yes. And suddenly there's a half a Dean walking around. The yeah. bottom half. And everyone's fucking terrified. People absolutely lose their shit because yeah. there's, there's half a man walking around. There is, yes. Which is pretty funny. And of course, they win the Forsyth Award. The end, or is it? So, I love this final bit where they start discussing the flaw of getting 50 grand now. Yeah. Because they'll need that 50 grand again next year for mortgage payment and year after that and year after that. So, so we're setting up straight away a sequel. Yet another sequel, which they did make. They did, yes. So, we've got another one to look forward to. Yep. Great. Not right now, though, unless you're about to pick it. Well, you'll have to wait and see, won't you? I guess so. But if anyone wants to watch it ahead of the time, it's The World's Strongest Man. I believe it is, yeah. yes. The final film in the... Dexter Riley. The, the epic. <laughs> the transcendental Dexter Riley trilogy. I really hope Dexter finally manages to throw the ring into the mountain at the end. Yeah. Because I've been rooting for that the whole time. Yeah. Especially when he got invisible. Anyone who says that Star Wars is the best trilogy of all time have clearly not seen these films. Yeah. Right, it was your pick, so you can do your final thoughts first. Um, in all fairness, talking about this with you has changed my opinion somewhat. So in the end, I think it's actually a better film than Computer War Tennis Shoes because... Especially in the latter half of the film, it felt like there were a lot more stakes this time round. Even if bringing in actual guns is probably a bit extreme, but it got the job done uh, quite well. I think there was a lot less um, bullshit around the side as well. I mean, I'm sort of glad. Although I think it should just more be more than just a bunch of male characters. At least they yeah. forewent the mandatory love interest this time, which. Dilutes a lot of films because I feel we need to put it in there, but we just didn't bother this time round, which was a nice change. Um, still mixed on the Dean being a bigger character than normal. I think he was good in places, but he just got a bit much for me. Right. Because I just. I know, I know it's a Disney film and all that. I mean, a bloody analysing a film for teenagers in the 70s here, but you know, a Dean wouldn't be actively going around hating his much job that much <laughs> yeah he, he would be thrown in front of disciplinary at some point or at least checked on his mental well-being <laughs> what did you think Tim so I was really not looking forward to this when you first announced it as our next one that's the idea because of how much I as you as you'll recall my original plan was that I was going to give the first film a one gem yes because I hated it so much it dragged. I hated the premise. I hated the characters. I hated everything about it. It wasn't a one, though, was it, Tim? No, I ended up giving it a five. Yes. So that we had somewhere to go from there. But I was really pleasantly surprised by this film. I think this was my biggest surprise so far of the podcast. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed some of the special effects work. And as I say, there were bits that I was I was surprisingly flummoxed by. I thought the acting from Kurt Russell had made a little improvement. Um, Less plank of woodish. Yeah, 
And I think, I know you didn't like the Dean, but I really liked the Dean. And I think, I wonder if it was a intentional plan to, maybe people at Disney thought that Kurt Russell was a bit shit as well. So they downplayed his role and then brought up the Dean to oh, sort of yeah, fill, okay. the, fill the void. Yeah, just to help things out a bit. That um, might make sense. But I honestly thought the... It wasn't a slapstick character as such, but I did find his comedy very funny. This one thing we haven't talked about was the script. I think there was some very, I, I don't want to say witty, but there were some good sort of one-liners and some of the punchlines did land very well. I wouldn't be surprised if it was written by somebody different just because the, the script itself kept the pace going quite well yeah um compared to the other film which did feel really sluggish even though it was a short film mm. it did feel too bloated better better use of a con the concept as well i think the invisibility i know it's quite a played out trope yeah but it, it's played out for a reason like it's very easy to get behind and it, it was as I said, it, it allowed the film to be a lot more visual than the last film where Kurt Russell's character was just really clever. Mm. Um, and I kind of enjoyed seeing the characters again, which I was really surprised at as well. And I think that was because we take we took the piss out of them so much last time. And, and it's almost like because we we didn't enjoy it, I found it... The the little bit extra effort that went into this film made me like them. I'd be interested to see what would have happened if this if we'd, we had reviewed uh, Computer World Tennis Shoes now as like our twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth episode instead of episode one. Because now yeah. we've, now we've got our expectations when it comes to what a live action Disney film of the seventies looks like. Yeah, I think we now have different expectations of what we did before. I might even go back and rewatch the first one. I won't go that far. Well, maybe not. No. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of gems... Yes, yeah, give up your gems, Tim. I'm going to give it an eight. I won't go that far, Tim. <laughs> I really, really, really enjoyed watching this film more than I thought I would. And I think it helped being that it was only an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, it's because of all that sport, wasn't it, Tim? You like oh, the yeah. sport, don't I, you? Any sport just gets me hard. Bloody love sport. <laughs> yeah. Makes you erect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm. Not, I've. I've got no funny things to say about that. I'm just. I'm done. It's been a long day, Chris. Yeah. Should I give mine, Jim? Yeah, you're gonna give it two, are you? Nah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna give it a six. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this time the total is fourteen. Definitely <laughs> not fourteen point three seven nine one eight two. 14. So yeah, um, I enjoyed it. I think I would have got a bit higher if that goal sequence just didn't go on forever. It did. I did notice as it was happening that it felt like a long scene and then to be followed pretty much directly after by another golfing section. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the, the whole prize tournament went on for quite a bit as well, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I essentially lump it into one. I know there's like five minutes in between it, but it's a long, long bit for... I mean, it, it was a fine gag, but yeah. overdone. Fair. I, I, I totally respect that, but yeah. I still liked it. Um, So, it's my turn, finally, to pick a film. It's been a while. It has been, yeah. Because yeah. so. I, I gave up my 
uh, choice to Grace last week. Um, so, we've had a lot of talk recently on the podcast about the state of Disney's current output. Oh no. With all of its live action remakes. Oh Christ. Obviously we've had Dumbo, which um, even our viewers said that they did not enjoy. Mm. Our listeners, sorry. Aladdin, everyone was very mixed about. Everyone's been very mixed about The Lion King. Everyone either loves it or hates it. Yep. But I thought for our next episode, we're going to kick it old school and go back to Disney's very uh, very first live action remake. Okay, I'm just trying now, to remember what that I was going to say. I'll give you a second. See if you can think what it was. Was it recent? It was not. It was back in the 1990s. 1990s live action remake. It often gets forgotten because obviously Disney had such good animated output at the time. Yeah. Um, but you could almost class it as a Disney Renaissance film. It's a remake of a film from the 1950s. No, I'm completely blank here. Okay. I'll give you another clue. It was a starring vehicle for the great actress Glenn Close. Oh, right, okay. And now I've, I've seen this quite a few times, 101 Dalmatians. It is, 101 Dalmatians. Oh, fantastic, yeah. I remember I used to have this on VHS as a kid and remember really loving it. Was never really a big fan of the original. So always preferred the remix, so... Yeah, you know what, I think I'm the same way. Because uh, it's been a while since I've seen either of them. But yeah, I do prefer the... Live action one, yeah, so I'll look forward to it then, because it's been a while. Yeah, and I've already checked, and it is available on Disney Life, so I haven't got to pay for it. <laughs> I, I need to check if it's available on Sky, Go, Amazon Prime, or Netflix. So where can people find you, Chris, on the internet? Um, well, I mean, have a minute, you can still find me at KidSwore on Twitter. I might change the username, I'm a bit bored of it now. Fair enough. Yep. And, um, uh, no, that's about it. <laughs> I enjoyed reading your new blog that you mentioned last week. Oh, yes, Kid- kidswore.com. I might change that as well. I liked, uh, I've already bought a new domain for it. I'm glad that I uh, went there this week because I uh, found some nice passive-aggressive messages for myself that you'd never mentioned to me in real life. And so. for Rob, because I've got to mention it last week. That's a problem. <laughs> so it's a good job I did read it. Yeah. Some practical stuff. Anyway, yeah. Um, and you can find me on... Twitter, I'm at TimblesRH, and the official Twitter, as we mentioned last week, has changed. So our new Twitter is at Podwam, P-O-D-W-A-M, and you can email us withoutamouse at gmail.com, and our Instagram is at withoutamouse, where you can see lots of pictures of my cat and not much about the podcast. (laughs) Which is the content everyone wants. Yeah. So we'll see you soon. Bye. 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 Without a Mouse is part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Logo by Chris House. Theme tuned by Ether Orr.